and now my soul accompanies me to work. Is that a beautiful thought or what? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you already know, yes, it is possible to love your work. In that opening line, you heard about something from a person who absolutely loves his work. I'm going to tell you, I can't wait to tell you more about that. We got a lot of questions today from people who do not like their work. Challenging workplace indeed. Well, we'll talk about both ends of the equation here. Got a lot to share today. The 48 Days Podcast today is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, vegetarians getting lower rates on their life insurance. You can go to healthiq.com slash 48 days to see if you qualify. Well, our other business partners today are Fresh Books. You hear me talk about them and Casper Mattress. Got a special from them right now that I need to tell you about. Well, here's some of the questions we'll be talking about. My husband is itching to do his own thing, but we have small children. Are all employees today treated like garbage? And a related question, how can I find a job that doesn't make me feel dirty? Jeez. Dan, I knew it was time for a change when I couldn't handle the envy, gossip, fights, and no respect for the employees in my workplace. Here's one. I'm a math teacher in northern Indiana, and I'm facing a $5,000 pay cut, which my family just can't afford. Well, we've got those and more questions as we can get to them, but I want to start with a positive quotation for the day. This comes from Albert Hubbard. Way back years ago, 1915, Albert died. But one of his quotations that I love said, If I had but two loaves of bread, I would sell one of them and buy white hyacinths to feed my soul. Well, that was prompted in my memory because yesterday Joanne brought home some white hyacinths. They're sitting in our counter. The smell is amazing. And it certainly does remind remind us that spring is coming. Now, what sense does that make? If I had but two loaves of bread, I want to talk about that a second because it's important. If I had but two loaves of bread, I would sell one of them and buy white hyacinths to feed my soul. I mean, doesn't it seem like the responsible thing to do if you were down to two loaves of bread would just be to ration them out as food for your family? And yet a life without beauty is not one to be desired or admired. I mean, we all want beauty, art, aroma, experiences for reasons other than just getting a bigger paycheck. Now, I love that hyacinths are often associated with spring and rebirth. I mean, they're very inexpensive. They come back year after year. I think it really is a great investment for even a poor person to make who has little extra money for sporges, but still desires both beauty and aroma. Hey, get yourself some white hyacinths. I love that idea. Well, let's go to, um, well, let me tell you about right now. I'll just tell you about health IQ here. I want to talk to you a little bit about this company. Here's some of the guidelines that they're looking for. We have special rates 
exclusive rates, lower rates. They can get people lower rates, but you have to qualify through their health IQ quiz to see if in fact you are going to qualify. I mean, they really do take advantage of a unique mortality model on the health conscious. They have lower rates for health conscious people. Like a good driver, savings on auto insurance. I mean, we expect that. Well, now with Health IQ, you can get special rates because you take care of your, yourself. I mean, what a cool idea. I mean, they know that people with a high Health IQ are 42% less likely to be obese. They have a 50% lower hospitalization rate than those, those with a low Health IQ. An overall healthy lifestyle is associated with a 60% lower risk of cardiovascular disease. I mean, lifting reduces your risk of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, arthritis, while strengthening bones and improving sleep. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Runners have a 30% lower risk of all causes of mortality, 45% lower risk of death from heart disease. So these are the kind of things that are rewarded. So to see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash 48 days, and then mention the promo code 48 days when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Now, believe me, somebody will call you right away. It's really cool. I did it recently, got a call, talked to a delightful young lady, walked right through, you know, all the things that I do. It was really interesting and exciting to me to hear her ask the questions that she did about how I take care of myself. Now, I got a note from David Powers. I love this because I mentioned Health IQ one other time. One time I've mentioned them. He said, thanks for the Health IQ promotion you ran recently. I just got off the phone, switched my life insurance. It's funny. I started rattling off my workout regimen and the guy was like, man, that's good. You qualify. So they really do ask you hard questions. You need to verify some things, but see if you qualify Go to healthiq.com slash 48 days and then mention 48 days promo code when you talk to one of the agents. Now let's, let's insert some good stories here. Always great things going on. Always a lot of good news. Don't pay attention to what you hear in late night news. You know, they look for things that are horrible, uh, that are negative. They know that they can get your attention, you know, get your adrenaline up. You stay glued to the TV and then they insert those ads. I mean, that's the model that they have. Well, let's talk about some positive things. Here's a story about a homeless teenager who goes from living in a car to creating absolutely stunning photos at a, as a wedding photographer. When he was just 16 years old, Karsten Scherzer was homeless living in his car. Now, eight years later, he's an award-winning wedding photographer who's traveled to 12 countries because he never gave up believing in his dreams. From the first time he picked up a camera as an 11-year-old, Karsten, who was born and raised in Southern California, knew he wanted to become a photographer. A creative soul, he dropped out of high school to shoot pictures of skateboarders. The fame and fortune he imagined, however, eluded him. By the time he reached his 18th birthday, Carson decided it was time for a change. Still determined to become a photographer, he moved to San Francisco, spent his nights sleeping in his car and his days using Starbucks as an office. But what he did, he started pursuing wedding photography. Now, his work is really stunning. I mean, just beautiful, beautiful stuff. You can see it at Illumina Studios. 
just I-L-L-U-M-I-N-A studios. You can see some of his work there. His, his photographs of weddings are really just stunning. But I love these stories, man. How many stories have we had on here about people in the 48 Days community who have used their photography skills to launch into a new season of life? Vincent Puglisi and his wife and family are currently spending a month at a house in Oceanside, California, because of what his photography and creating a photography course has done in allowing them family freedom. Well, speaking of living in your car, as this young man was doing, I can't imagine being scrunched up in a car overnight and expect to have anything to offer the next day. Wow, not me. Hey, I need to spend that night in my Casper mattress so I can wake up refreshed, energized, and ready to go. Now, for you podcast listeners, we're going to invite you to take advantage of Casper's competitive limited time President's Day offer for the first time ever. Now, we know President's Day is coming up on Monday. If you're listening to this right when I release it, it's coming right up on Monday. Casper, as you know, just isn't a mattress company. They offer sheets, pillows, bed frames, even dog beds. So everyone in the family sleeps comfier than ever before. So they got a place. This is the place to shop for President's Day mattress savings this year. Now, you know, Casper sells directly to you. There's no middleman. They eliminate all those extra costs, save you money. It's delivered right to you. You can get it with a hundred night risk-free sleep on a trial that whole deal. So for a limited time, visit casper.com slash savings and receive up to $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. This special offer expires February 20th, 2018. See casper.com slash terms for more details. So again, this is very time sensitive. You're listening to this, but it is the mattress Joanna and I sleep on. It's the one our guests sleep on. We have the sheets, the whole deal. We are Casper fanatics because of how it's changed our sleeping in giving us, helping us wake up. Not like we were scrunched up in a car overnight, believe me, but like we were sleeping in a leisurely place, beautiful dreams, dreaming about white hyacinths, perhaps go to casper.com slash savings and you're going to receive up to $200 off your purchase of $2,000 or more. Again, this special offer expires February 20th, 2018. See casper.com slash terms for more details. All right, let's go to some more great stories. How about this? No more library finds. Got some here. Got, got a couple stories here about forgiveness, you know, which is just kind of cool. No more library finds for young readers in Los Angeles County. So the Los Angeles County just made a decision that is bound to make book lovers happy in order to encourage literacy among the young generations who may be more used to playing on their smartphones. The LA County libraries are no longer charging library late fees for young readers under the age of 21. So they just kind of did away with that. For those who already have a pre-existing late fee balance, check this out. The library offers a unique way to pay it back by reading it away. Now kids can go to their local library, tell the librarian they would like to pay off their balance. In turn, the librarian will start a timer, and for every hour that the youngster spends reading, $5 is taken off their debt. According to the LA Times, at least 100 students every week have read away their debt, and a total of 3,500 blocked accounts have been cleared. So people are clearing their library 
bees. Reminds me, Kelly, there's an old Seinfeld episode where Jerry, they caught up with Jerry and accused him of having a book that had never been returned. And it turns out he had given it to uh, Costanza in a locker room and it had gotten lost under <laughs> under a bench. Anyway, funny, funny story, but they uh, they told him he owed a whole lot of money because of a book that had been overdue for like 10 years. Well, if you live in L.A. County right now, you can forget about that. They're going to forgive your library fine that you had due. Well, here's another one. People can pay their parking fines with cans of food for the hungry. Now, this is in Lexington, Kentucky. So if you get a parking fine, you can pay that fine with canned goods for local food banks. So parking violators can donate, you know, a 14 or 15 ounce can of food for a typical $15 parking fine. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, if it's a more expensive infraction, your fine is higher than five fifteen dollars they they're willing to accept more cans. So this is their food for fines program. Um, last year at Galley, they, they took in over sixty two hundred cans of food for more than six hundred citations worth about fourteen thousand dollars. Collectively, the program gathered food for sixteen thousand meals. That's a pretty cool program. So instead of paying your fine, you know, to help people uh, not feel like they're being harshly penalized, but help them feel like they're part of a worthy cause to help somebody else who's less fortunate. Well, and then we've got one more here and we'll go into some questions. California is now allowing 1 million residents convicted of weed charges to wipe the slate clean. Now, you know that a lot of states are changing their laws on marijuana or weed use, resident or just recreational use. California did that. And they instantly had over 1 million California residents that had their records changed, a lot of them with felonies on there, just because they changed the law. This is a pretty interesting uh, sign of the times here. Now, regardless of what you feel about, you know, the use of marijuana, the fact that the laws are changing is going to change a lot of people's history who had felonies. You know, there are people in prison who are going to be released. There are people in prison for 20 years for marijuana possession, small amounts sometimes, just because of the way the laws were at the time. You know, can you imagine that kind of jail time? I mean, there are people who are guilty of murder who don't have that kind of jail time. Well, anyway, some fun things happening in the area of forgiveness. See what you can do this week that that errs on the side of over, over super forgiveness. What could you do to forgive somebody where you have the legal right to hold them accountable, but you just decide you're going to forgive them? Might be a cool way to start the year out here. Now, this comes from Vic, who says, I wrote to you last year. This is where we get the line, and now my soul accompanies me to work. Check this out. Vic says, I wrote to you last year about using a line of credit versus saving up to go to barber school. Um, you asked me to update you. He said, I did end up saving up for the course. And because of that, I had some time available before the course start date. I took up a part-time job delivering food for Skip the Dishes. Um, and instead of checking into a hotel for the three weeks of the training for barber school, I chose to use my rewards points for one week. And then I used Airbnb for the rest, which drastically reduced my cost. Thanks to your continuous encouragement and blessings, I am now a certified apprentice barber and now my soul accompanies me to work. I will never forget that line. 
That's awesome. I'm serving in an exact environment that I wanted to serve in, um, serving hardworking middle to high income Canadians living downtown Calgary, Alberta. The shop is also letting me cut hair of those who are coming out of drug treatment and need some cleanup for job interviews once a month. I also stick quotes of encouragement on the mirrors and the walls for men to take notice while looking at their image. And I insert uplifting Christian music here and there too. This brings it to a full circle regarding a question from someone about ministry in everyday life. And he's obviously sharing that he is doing ministry by doing the work that he does with excellence. Great example. Thank you again for everything you do for your listeners, what you did for me. Thanks to all of your listeners as well since they help you keep your knowledge flowing. My journey has just started and I'm looking forward to paying it forward by making my clients look their best and encourage them along the way. Blessings. Wow. I hope all of you remember that line. And now my soul accompanies me to my work. That's what we look for. Now, if you are like Vic, just starting your own business as he is, one of the things you need to do, keep your book straight. All right, you're going to hear me talk about fresh books. I mean, as creative people, we're in the business of turning our ideas into value for ourselves and our customers. We need to cultivate those fresh ideas, and that's where we need to make sure that we're keeping our books straight. Use fresh books. It's a simple cloud accounting software, and it's really designed for creative professionals like Beck is describing himself here. It's straightforward to use. It's going to save you hours every week give you more time to let your creativity flourish. Just don't get in trouble on this. I mean, you can send a branded invoice in 30 seconds. And believe me, when I get those, when I get invoices like that from FreshBooks, from people, I mean, I pay it in 10 seconds. I mean, I love that, that I don't have to pull out a checkbook, address an envelope. and No, I just click on it. You can do the same thing if you're on the receiving end by using FreshBooks. There's an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all my listeners. No credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and then enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Now, this question comes from a young lady. We'll call her Becky. She wants to remain anonymous, but she said, I love some career and family advice. My husband is a nurse anesthetist and likes what he does, but is miserable in his current job. He would love to build his side business of providing anesthesia services to groups who need vacation coverage. All right, that model really makes sense. I mean, a lot of people are doing that even in highly skilled areas like this. People who go on maternity leave or take a vacation, they need people to fill in. So we've got a nurse anesthetist here who wants to do that. He currently does this on his weeks off, which is five weeks a year. We have small children, however, and I'm worried about him traveling frequently to do this full time. There is a possibility, however, that he would be able to build up clientele close to home over time. The other possibility is that he finds a new position and we would learn and we would move. But I think he would still have an itch to do his own thing. He could learn almost as much as he does with earn almost as much as he does with his current job by working two weeks per month. What would you suggest we do. Thank you. Well, Becky, here's, here's the deal. I love the setup that you've got here. And I think you just need to expand the possibilities that you're considering. I had a neighbor lived right here in our same street who was a radiologist. He wanted to do the same thing. 
as what you're describing that your husband wants to do by just filling in for people. And yes, because you're just filling in like that, it's a temp position. You're actually paid more than what you would earn in the same period of time as a salaried employee. And he knew that same kind of thing. Yeah. You'd work two months a year or two months, (laughs) two weeks a month rather, and earn more than he could earn in a given month as a regular employee. So that's pretty cool. So in doing that, he discovered that there was an unlimited number of opportunities for him to fill in like this. But he also discovered this was a wonderful way for their family to travel together. So instead of him being gone for extended periods of time, he and his family get to live in different places for extended periods of time together. The whole family is experiencing this adventure together. So they may go somewhere for two months and then they can go wherever they want to for a month. And because of his earning capability, they have the freedom where he doesn't have to book himself week after week. They do have extended periods of time off and they've decided to be, as my daughter describes it, location independent. Now, the only thing that seems to be a caveat in what you describe is you you don't go into this specifically, but you say you have small children. So the implication probably is that you have children who perhaps are in school. It sounds to me like that may be the only restriction that keeps you from living a life of adventure and the options for homeschooling your children, unschooling your children, or whatever you want to call it, you know, have never been greater. They've never been easier. They've never been more support available for that. Even if you decided that you were going to do this, not forever, but if you were going to do this for two years, and my daughter Ashley has been on the road for roughly two years at this point, you know, they love it. There's no real end in sight. But they know at some point they may decide to live in a regular house again, or one of their daughters may decide that she wants to go to a school. They're open to the possibilities, but right now, what an adventure. It sounds to me like you could do that. Just walk out, a look at a particular period of time. You may want to start with one year. You're going to do this where you do, in fact, go with your husband to these new locations as a nurse and anesthetist where he's filling in for other people who are on again, vacation, maternity leave, whatever it happens to be. Sounds like you've got a perfect setup to just move into an adventure rather than seeing it as an either or kind of scenario. Okay, this comes from Arn, who says, I've worked for jobs with questionable billing practices, if not illegal. Companies that treat employees like disposable objects. Companies that give metrics to reach that are almost impossible to do constantly. Having a faceless member of management send an email saying to improve the numbers, but no advice on how to improve, only to improve or find the door. I've seen workers fired for Uh, things out of their control. And the line is always the policy of the company is I'm about, I'm about to receive a degree in accounting. Is this what jobs are going to be like from now on trying to take all the customer's money being treated like garbage or expected to reach impossible standards? I know I want to help people, but I also want to make a living doing so. How can I find a job that doesn't make me feel dirty? Wow. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do just a brief answer here. I'm going to read one more question that seems to be kind of similar to that, and then we're going to do kind of a synopsis. But in this case, Arn, we tend to find what we expect. So 
I, you, with describing the negative scenarios that you are describing, if you think that is true in general, you will tend to find that in general. However, I don't think that is generally the case at all. If you go into the job market, if you get your degree in accounting, you go into the job market and your expectation is that you're going to find a job where your soul now accompanies you in your work, that's what you're going to find. I mean, if you go out anticipating that you're going to find a company where the culture is one of real optimism, positive, helpful support of each other, I think you're going to find that. There are companies like that. There are lots of companies like that where you walk in and just that kind of atmosphere. You know, I walk into, I told us scenario last week, I think, where I walked into a, a company. It was a fast food company. I won't mention the name because the company was really responsive when I sent in a note about my experience there. But uh, it was a, a really just horrendous experience in terms of what I observed with their treatment of an elderly couple who had come in. There were no napkins and they just simply said, we don't have any napkins. You know, instead of running to the back to get a bounty towel and giving them that or a roll of toilet paper or something or running across the street to get something. No, they just, you know, just sorry, we don't, we can't handle that. And then I see, then I walk into, you know, a Chick-fil-A as an example and see the kind of customer service that's available there. Same industry, roughly same kind of food, but just a different kind of company culture. Look for those. Look for the Chick-fil-A kind of company culture in what you're looking for with your degree in accounting. You can find that. I mean, that's the power of being in the driver's seat and doing a job search. Do a great job search. Identify those 20 to 30 companies that would be potential matches for you. Start your job search. Get lots of interviews. In today's environment, my gosh, with a fresh degree in accounting, you ought to be able to line up interviews you know, for two weeks solid every hour if you want to. And in doing so, you can decide, is this the kind of place I want to work? Is this the kind of place that treats employees like disposable objects? Is this the kind of place where I'm going to feel dirty when I come to work? Well, you don't want that kind of job. You don't have to accept that. If you get three offers and they all feel that way to you, keep doing your interviewing. You can find the opportunity that's a perfect match for you. All right. Now, this comes from Gladys, who says, Dan, I'm a 33-year-old data entry clerk. Some similarities here. I've been working in this position for five years and I knew it was time for a change when I could no longer handle the envy, gossip, fights, and no respect for the employees in my workplace. I'm tired of sitting in front of a desk for eight hours. My strongest passion is to help others, but I don't know what kind of job I can get related to that. I haven't finished my bachelor's degree in business administration because I can't pay for it right now. I'm a single mother of a 14 year old basketball player. Plus after Puerto Rico got hit by hurricane Maria jobs got difficult. So she is from Rio Blanco, Puerto Rico. Well, thanks for your question. Gladys gallery, 33 years old data entry clerk. You see a lot of negativism in what you're doing. Again, if you are a great candidate, if you're somebody that brings a positive sense to the workplace, if you're somebody who is reliable, you're competent, you've got a pleasing personality, you're great around people, you're that light in the room when you walk in, God, those are the kind of things that get you new opportunities. Even though the jobs situation may be challenging in Puerto Rico, I'm confident, again, doing a great job search. Identify 20 to 30 companies 
and just do a real professional job search where you let them know what it is you're looking for. You line up interviews. I mean, you can have six to eight interviews lined up. And in doing so, choose. You're in the driver's seat. You get to choose the kind of place where you want to be. And the fact that you don't have your bachelor's degree in business administration, I mean, depending on what you're doing, if you are in the data entry area, that's not a big deal. People want to know what have you done in the last year, the last two years. That's more important than do you have a degree that you would have gotten, you know, 13 years ago, perhaps. Yeah, that is lesser in importance for sure. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to switch a little bit in wrapping these last couple questions together here. I want to go back to an old familiar story. So here's the story. A traveler came upon an old farmer hoeing in his field beside the road. Eager to rest his feet, the wanderer hailed the countryman, who seemed happy enough to straighten his back and talk for a while. What kind of people live in the next town? asked the stranger. What were the people like where you came from? replied the farmer, answering the question with another question. Well, they were a bad lot, troublemakers all, and lazy too, the most selfish people in the world. Not one of them was to be trusted. I'm happy to be leaving the scoundrels. Is that so? replied the old farmer. Well, I'm afraid you're going to find the same sort of people in this next town. Well, disappointed, the traveler trudged on his way and the farmer returned to his work. Sometime later, another stranger coming from the same direction hailed the farmer and they stopped to talk. What kind of people live in this next town? He asked. Well, what were the people like where you came from? Replied the farmer once again. You know, they were the best people in the world. They were hardworking, honest, friendly. I really am sorry to have to be leaving them. Well, fear not, said the farmer. You're going to find the very same kind of people that you just left in this next town. I love that story because it points out the obvious. We tend to find what we expect. If we expect people to be selfish, negative, hateful, treating people like garbage, we tend to find that. You know, that's why in interviews, when an interviewer says, well, tell me about your last boss. I mean, it's a real common kind of question. Oh man, the guy was a jerk. You know, I mean, he, he had expectations that were unrealistic. You know, he always reprimanded us, never had a kind word for us. Well, even if that were absolutely an accurate portrayal of that person, you know what? That's a real red flag because the person interviewing is going to think, uh-huh, they're going to have the same kind of feelings about the next boss, no matter who it is because it's a mindset. It's not an accurate portrayal of reality. It's a mindset. And we're going to expect them to feel the same way here. That tends to be true. I mean, when you, I I have people that talk about, you know, the, the area that I live in, you know, gee, they're rednecks, you know, they're conservative, uh, politically, they're way off the chart on the right, blah, blah, blah. They go on and on. I'm thinking, Man, I've met some of the most gracious, generous, uh, liberal thinking people here I've ever met in my life. We find what we expect. Just make sure you recognize that as as a framing when you go out looking for new opportunities or when you're going to move into a new neighborhood or whatever it is, we tend to find what we expect. 
Change your expectations. You'll be surprised how reality lines up to embrace that. Well, hey, let me do this here just while I'm thinking about it. Let me just bring up a little music here just to remind you. These are real-life questions. I love going through your questions. This is one of the highlights of my week. Every week has been for over 10 years, continues to be. You know, before the 10 years that I've been on, well, actually 11 years now, I've been on doing the podcast, I spent six years on live radio here in Nashville. So got to do the same kind of thing, answering real-life questions every Sunday night for three hours. That was at a delightful time, and I've never uh, had the enjoyment diminish. I mean, in the same way, I could think, oh my gosh, I got to read through all these, you know, questions about challenging situations. No, I consider that a real privilege to read through these. I find them delightful to read through because I so easily can see optimistic outcomes for people, no matter what the situation. Well, here's another one. And incidentally, if you've got a question or a success story that you want to share, you know, just shoot it into me at askdan at 48days.com. The easiest way to get it to me is just that, askdan at 48days.com. That comes right to me in this magic mailbox that I get to open up every Wednesday morning when I review these and record the podcast. Be delighted to find your question in there. So here's a question comes from Adam. I was encouraged to talk to you by an employee of the Dave Ramsey Company. I'm a math teacher in northern Indiana. I'm facing a $5,000 pay cut, which my family just cannot afford. I'm seriously considering leaving the profession to do something more rewarding, hopefully more lucrative, but I don't have the foggiest idea what I should even pursue. Where do I start? How picky should I be? Or should I jump at the first thing that interests me that I find? This is a humbling and scary pursuit, but I'm hungry to see where God leads me. Can you help? Absolutely. Adam, this is a great time to take a fresh look at yourself. Now, keep in mind, as I describe in 48 Days to the Work You Love, 85% of the process of having the confidence of proper direction in your career comes from looking inward. I mean, in a time of transition like that, it's too easy just to grab the Sunday paper or jump online, look at job postings, go to Craigslist or whatever, and see who's hiring. No, those are recipes for a very short-term solution and long-term frustration. 85% of the process comes from looking inward. So this is a time to take a deep breath. I mean, this is not something that's going to take six months. Believe me, it can take two hours to do this, but... Take a deep breath, look at yourself, identify what are your skills and abilities, not only the things that you know you can do, but the things that you enjoy that you would like to continue doing. Identify those. I worked with a pastor recently who, after 19 years of being a pastor, lost his job. Long story, happens every day, believe me. We're told there are roughly 5,000 pastors a month who are leaving their positions either because they're being forced out or because they're choosing to leave the unrealistic expectations. Okay, that being that as a may. So this gentleman, 19 years as a pastor, I had him identify the things that he had been doing as a pastor. Well, we know that pastors are required to do, you know, 20, 25 different things, lots of different things. We identified the two or three that he really enjoyed doing most. We totally focused in on those and found a position that was a perfect match for those. Now, I'll even tell you what he did. Well, I won't mention the company name, but you know, I, I, could, I don't even mind sharing that. But 
he was great in the pulpit on Sunday morning. He was great in persuading, encouraging, exhorting people, you know, those kind of things, just explaining the scripture. He was really good in that kind of position. He did not enjoy the 95% of the other things he was expected to do, you know, to be available when somebody's teenager doesn't come home at two o'clock at night and to be there in the hospital and to be having to officiate at weddings and funerals and all those. Those were just necessary compartments of what he was required to do so that he would enjoy the very few moments each week where he could do what he enjoyed doing most. We focused in on what he enjoyed doing most and we're able to find him a position where he is now the representative for one of the major publishing companies where he's able to go out and visit with pastors and church staff and help them understand new products that are coming out of the publishing house, not only books, but in resources, but also technology tools they can use. It totally focuses in on the two or three things he enjoyed most that he was doing as a pastor and eliminated all those other things that he didn't want to do. It also quadrupled his income and some other benefits as well. Well, you can do the same thing. Adam, as a math teacher, so you've been a math teacher, identify the two or three things that you really enjoyed about that, and then look for what are the applications of those skills in new environments. So you want to identify your skills and abilities that you have. You want to identify your personality traits. How do you best relate to other people? What kind of environments are you most most comfortable in? How do you manage? How do you persuade? How do you sell? Where, what are you on the DISC, the DISC profile? You know, you need to know that about yourself. And then the third area besides skills and abilities and then personality tendencies is what I call values, dreams, and passions. What are those recurring thoughts that you've had in all these years of teaching? What are those recurring thoughts? What are the times when you feel like you're really in the zone when what you're doing Wow, it's just what you were made to do, born to do. You ought to be able to look back on your work history, and that's the value of having some work history. You can look back on that and your life experience and see those recurring themes that help you focus in on, wow, this is the focus, this is the arena, it's in this environment, working with these kind of people that I really am most in my zone of genius. And in doing so, then you decide, What would be the application? What would be those 20 to 30 companies where there would be a potential match for those focused areas of competence that you know that you have? Do a job search. You may find that you're able to not only have to suffer a $5,000 cut in your pay, you may discover an opportunity to triple or quadruple your income. But we know the math teachers at their very best are not paid much. Yeah, to take a $5,000 pay cut, geez, that's going to be major. But you may be able to decide that you have refined skills. I mean, you're not the same person you were 20 years ago when you graduated from college. Take that valuable experience and see how it positions you for a new opportunity today. And you may decide, you, you may discover that this facing pay cut prompted you to go into the most successful and fulfilling season of your life. I've seen it happen thousands of times. Here comes a question. This comes from Julius. 
This is I was introduced to your podcast through Jeff Brown's Read to Lead podcast. Golly, Jeff Brown does an excellent podcast where he interviews authors, and I was privileged to be his very first interview. And he's gone on now to have um, lots of lots of much more notable people on there, but does an excellent job. So delight to hear that connection. Uh, I listen to the podcast regularly. I've become a member of the 48 Days Eagles community. I'm also very excited to have been part of Time to Fly. Wow, that's cool, Julius. So he has some submissions in Time to Fly, that composite book that was put together by over 144 contributors in the 48 Days Eagles community. The inspirational book headed up by James Woosley, which is now Time to Fly. You can find it on, golly, find it on Amazon easily, but it's a beautiful, beautiful book, and I love the uh, contributions that people made. So thank you for that, Julius. My question is this, I'm in a position where I'm a little bit stuck. My wife and I used to work for a major chain retail drugstore where she was making close to 60,000 a year. I was making significantly more than what I'm making now before they changed our pay structure. We left that company because the company's culture wasn't conducive to families and ours was growing. We both ended up at a Christian publishing company. Uh, The company's culture is great. It's consistently been voted one of the best Christian places to work. They really care about their team members and their families. I'm of the belief that every business business's first customer is their employees. Their employees are the face of the company. And he goes on and talks about, gee, the company really does value employees where they work. My major challenge with this company is they don't pay well. And we have three children. My wife grossed 36000 and I grossed less than that last year. We're looking for new jobs and I'm using the process you outlined in 48 days to the work you love. I've attached my resume because to be direct, I don't see a career path that is in line with my skill set. I've been in leadership positions, including owning and running my own business, being the senior pastor of a church and assistant manager in the business I referenced earlier, but I don't have a degree. It seems the thing I really have a passion for the most is helping companies create a robust culture where their employees feel valued. Do you think the job search process you outline in 48 days to the work you love can be used to be a consultant to companies, helping them improve their company culture? All right. He goes on with other questions there. Um, his wife values security for so going the consultant route full time probably wouldn't go over well with her right now as she desperately wants her own home. Dan, how would you approach this situation? How can I create my own position while suggesting myself to be hired for it? Wow. Lots of questions there, Julius. I love what you bring to the table and how you're approaching this and love your heart for, you know, trying to figure this out and create a better scenario. Now you present, you know, multiple things here. You left jobs where paying almost double what you're making now because you didn't like the company culture. Well, that was a big sacrifice. You know, to do that knowingly, to take jobs where there's a better culture, uh, but you cut your pay in half, that's a pretty big sacrifice there. I mean, we have to be realistic that, you know, the company doesn't define us. I mean, what we do in those meaningful 40 hours a week is not the entirety of our lives. There are a lot of people working in positions that are not, you know, their dream job necessarily, but they do a reasonable job there. It gives them a core career and a base income so they can use the rest of their life then to do those things that are really even more meaningful to them. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that you walked away from something, something that was double the salary 
uh, just for this little tweak. And now you're in a position where now you're back in the job search, again, looking for how you can increase the, the positive company culture, but also increase the income that you're getting. So you kind of backed yourself into a corner here. You know, the, so the question, you kind of beg the question, are you willing to go back into a company culture like you had before that may not be as ideal as what you have now, but it doubles the pay? Well, again, I don't think it's just a choice between one or the other. Certainly, I think you can do a job search where you know exactly what it is you're looking for, where you're now enlightened by your recent experience, and you can really go after that. However, Here's, here's my real, however, for you in this situation, you did include your resume and in looking at your resume, I really have no idea what you're a candidate to do. Your resume is all over the place. It lists all these different things that you did, but it gives no clarity as to what it is you're really a candidate to do or what your, your highest level of competencies are. I would encourage you to do that and have that right at the beginning so you have a skills competency right at the beginning of your resume, rather than just going into the most previous position that you have. And also, it's going to be a red flag that you list yourself as CEO and founder multiple times through this, because it's going to raise the question with potential employers you know, is he just trying to look for something as a band-aid until he gets back on his feet and could go do something on his own again? Because usually when people have done something on their own, especially if it is a legitimately CEO and founder, it implies a company that implies somebody who has gone way beyond just being an employee and companies question, are you really willing to come back in and serve as an employee? You need to remove all that from your resume. Your resume is not going to serve you well if you're trying to get a position. So two things, remove all those places. If you were CEO and founder and you have a company name, I would recommend you show yourself as an account representative. You know, you can show you as, you know, office manager or a senior account representative, some title like that, rather than CEO and founder. Now, this is not meant to be misrepresentative or deceitful at all, but it's meant to position you in a realistic way to then serve you in going into a new position. Now, trust me, a resume, and for all of you listening, a resume's purpose is not to wow people with your great accomplishments and how wonderful you are. It's to position you to be able to get the next position you're looking for. So it's a sales brochure for where you want to go. And a lot of people do this in a way that is so self-defeating. You know, here's an example. And I've worked with lots and lots of dentists and physicians over the years. Well, if a dentist says, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I'm tired of having negative encounters. People don't want to come in. And then I have to have my hands in their slimy mouth. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, you know what? We're not going to show DDS on his resume. Now, is that misrepresentative? Not at all. But it's moving us into positioning him for something that, in fact, is a fit. All right. I'm going to wrap up with that. We're at the, we're at the uh, timeline here already. 
Well, you know what? I'm going to, instead of that, I'm going to go back to our original song because we had so many people here who referenced this. If you're stuck in a J-O-B, here's, here's what I want you to do this week. I'm going to give you an action step. I want you to list three things you dislike about your current job. Now, for a lot of you listening, apparently that's not going to be very difficult. Three things you dislike about your current job. Second part of the action step, now describe three things you could do to correct those. You're in the driver's seat. I mean, there's always options for things you can do. I mean, if you if you hate your stinking job, it's not a matter of, gee, you could either just quit and not have any income or stick it out and hate it. No, you could, you could quit your job. You could ask for a transfer. You could learn to love your boss. You could buy the company, fire the boss, do a great job search, find two or three new opportunities, go back to school. You can marry the boss's daughter, praise the boss's work to facilitate a promotion for him or her. You can start your own business. I mean, kind of go on and on and on. But list three things you dislike about your current job. Now describe three things you could do to correct those. You can do this. Keep those stories coming. I don't mind hearing the stories about how much you hate your job, but we're going to look for solutions, not just learn to live with it. Trust me, always true. Hey, thanks to all of you for being listeners. I love interacting with you. Love your comments. Go to iTunes, rate the show, share it with other people who need to hear the messages like this. We'd love you have you do that. But thanks for being part of this growing community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful purposeful and profitable you don't need to settle for less especially in today's workplace there's so much volatility companies are standing in line begging to have good competent people come their way you raise your hand head in there they're going to love the fact that you showed up